Welcome to the Orport, episode three. I'm your host, Ronnie. And I'm Greg. And we are the Catan Brothers. The Catan Brothers. We, uh, we want to welcome you guys to episode three. The episode three is called The Mental Game. We had two great episodes already. I'm excited for the third one. Greg, what are your thoughts? I'm really excited. It's been a lot of fun. And thank you to everyone who's been listening. Yeah, I mean, I've got great feedback on episode two now. People tell me they learn a lot. People are really saying our Monopoly discussion was out of this world. I agree with that. That was a great Monopoly discussion, Greg. Yeah, I thought that was great, too. So, yeah, I want to thank all the listeners. and Let's keep this, uh, keep this going. So this episode, we're talking about mental game. And what that means is, yeah, when you're playing, you have the ability to build settlements, build roads. But something that you can also do is you're talking. You're talking to the other three people at your table. And not just talking, but influencing. Manipulating, even. Manipulating. Yeah, I like that. It's a perfect word. Because you're playing this game with three other people. Everyone has their own thoughts. Everyone has their own theories. Everyone has their own way they're looking at the game. But... If you can convince them to look at it in a way that benefits you in the long run to get 10 points, why wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, you know, this is key aspect of the game that I think, I think it's the difference between some games that you probably should have lost, but you end up, you can pull it out because your table talk and your mental game was strong. So a lot of people will be saying, play your own game, particularly usually the people who are in the lead, especially on online games. I see a lot where it's harder to talk, especially when you're like trying to get other people to think the way you think. People will be like, play your own game. What, what do you think of that idea? What do you think that even means? I think it's a stupid statement. I think someone's trying to kind of deflect any target on themselves by saying that. And I guess that's kind of the only thing you can do if you're in first place. I mean, although I, if I'm in first place, I just bring up some logical reason as to why someone else can easily take it from me. Instead of instead of fighting back and trying to like pin the other players against each other, I just I just that's my approach. But I know online it happens all the time. People are like, oh, play your own game. Or they don't, if, even if you try to give some advice, they don't want to listen and then they'll target you because of that. Yeah. Do you think that's a problem that's only online where people don't want to listen, don't want to talk? Because I play plenty of games where people are like, oh, you talk a lot. Play your own game. I even see that even in tournaments. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. I've seen that in tournaments, but it definitely happens a lot more online. I guess just because you don't have that face-to-face presence. You're behind the screen. You can say anything without any repercussions. So people tend to be kind of more like, I guess, mysterious online and they don't want to like talk or hear or listen to anyone else. Right. I mean, it does make sense that, like, the idea of playing your own game, because you're at your own computer, you don't see the three other people. But Catan is, at its core, a game with four people. And, and a game where you're supposed to communicate and talk and discuss different things. That's why we have trading. That's why we have this game. We're all on one island trying to settle it the best. Other players' thoughts matter. And sometimes you have to be on the same page as other players to get the game moving and to get it to a point where you can stop someone from winning or whatever it is. You need to be able to talk to other players. And I think online you're kind of missing that key aspect. Yeah, I really think talking to other players is at the core of what Catan is. I am on record saying that Catan is the perfect balance of probability and diplomacy and obviously the probability comes from like the dice rolls and navigating your resources and what you're building but the other half of the game is talking and convincing people the mental game of Catan is a mini game inside Catan there are tiny battles all the time Every single turn, every single trade discussion, every single move, there's these tiny battles going on between players. And I think the more that you can influence that in your benefit, in your favor, you are better off absolutely. Yeah. You know, online Catan is really fun. I enjoy it. I play all the, all the time. But a real in-person game is where you truly get that table talk, diplomacy, really need to, you know, focus on other players and what their thoughts are besides just putting it in the screen on online. 
Definitely. And that, that's why I love, you know, Arcaton history, because we, we've had so many in-person games. So when it comes to influencing the game of Catan, there, like we said before, there are two main ways to do it, which are like, you can block someone with your roads and settlements, or you can block them with the robber. But the real main way to influence the game is by talking. And the way you can mainly talk to influence the game is through convincing trades and convincing people of what to do with their robber. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, well, first of all, I would actually, <laughs> this is kind of my specialty, but I'd put a little um, asterisk on what you said there about convincing people to do trades. Because um, my specialty, and me and you have talked about this, and I know it's something that you really respect about my game, is I have a certain talent in convincing other people not to trade with each other when it's not my turn. I'm not getting, at, I'm not getting anything in the trade. I'm not even involved. But I convince other players to refrain from trading which I think benefits me in the long run. Right, because then they're in the same position that they were. If two people are trading, they're both advancing. Well, so even if someone get, even even if it's a very you know one-sided trade, someone's getting a benefit. If both people are getting a benefit, that's even worse. So to me, I'm better off if I'm the only one who gets a trade, and I get the better end of the trades. And so I do everything in my power to really make sure that I talk other players out of trading and and i think it's done me very good what are some concrete strategies that you think you can share with our listeners of how you can stop a trade from happening so let's let's just say it's someone who he's on an eight wheat but this individual doesn't have any wheat and they're one wheat short from a settlement maybe they're offered a trade where there's someone just gives them a wheat for a great deal just because they're going to get a settlement out of it well first of all i don't want player a getting the settlement that this wheat's going to give him and I don't want player B getting a good deal because player A needed this wheat. So I'll, I'll kind of butt in there. I'll be like, why, why are you doing that? You're on the eight. You get it pretty easy. And then someone will consider and be like, hmm, yeah, he's, he's right. Why am I going to give up two cards or whatever it is for something I get on the eight? When I, when I make a suggestion like that, and then let's say the eight hits, I always give them some like credit. Like, oh, see, good thing you listened. I, I throw some credit their way so that they feel like they made a good decision, even though I influenced this decision. Just to kind of put my influence on them. Yeah, that's a really great way to do it. People are so focused on the here and now that they don't even consider, oh, I can, I get these resources. I don't have to give a leg and a foot. So pointing that out to them is very powerful. Yeah, and I think I become the biggest winner of the trade, the, the trade I had no involvement in because player A doesn't get their settlement, player B doesn't get a good deal. And I'm sitting there like, well, I'm confident in my, my strategy from the get-go. So the less things that other people can do, better for me. But something that's very important in that is knowing people's hands, knowing what cards they get and don't get, so that you can influence the whole conversation of what is coming their way or what they need or just different things so you can tell when the trade's not good. It starts with your command of, of the board, really, and knowing what's in people's hands, knowing everything in the game. How important would you say is the ability to track the amount of cards in someone's hand? I think that's what separates kind of a, a good player from a great player. I think a good player can get by on knowing strategy and you know the right moves to make, but really knowing everyone else's hand to the point where you need a specific resource at a given time and you can go snag it from that person, that's, that's next level player. I, I wouldn't say I know what's in everyone's hands all the time. So, I, I mean, I'm able to keep track of dice rolls to a certain extent and what people have built, but it's pretty hard to know every single person's hands. And to some extent, you can't know because you don't know what they steal. But I always try to get that piece of information. When they steal a card, I always want to know what it is. That's another part of the mental game is kind of just butting your head in there and being like, hey, what do you pull there? Or kind of making it seem like, oh, I really didn't want that card. So if he pulled it, it's like, oh, yeah, that's what I got. Uh -huh. It's like, oh, I really did want that card. 
Here, here's the thing about Catan. You don't have to tell the truth. You only have to, you only have to sound like you, you are. Yeah, uh, I, I had this encounter in Nationals, actually, where I stole a card from player A, and I got the wheat. That was the card I wanted. The only wheat in the game. Then the next person rolled a seven, and they're like, did he get... And, and the guy I stole was like, yeah, he got the wheat. And I was like, no, I didn't. And he was, and I was like, I don't have a wheat in my hand. And he, and he did steal from the first person who I stole from. So I, I, like that lying paid off for me completely. Oh, 100%. I mean, you have to just be more believable and make it make sense. I mean, you, you, can, you can start bringing... I don't know what this guy's hand was at the time, but you know, let's say you had four cards. You just say something like, I, I had a 25% chance. Like, like, of course he wants you to believe I got it. But I mean, come on. Like, I, I, I wish I got it. Like, you pull out anything. You just say it. So what do you think about telling other people what is in someone else's hands? Because I think I do that to my detriment. I, I, was, I was thinking the same thing. Sometimes I'll be so focused on not wanting to be stolen from that I'll tell the player who's stealing the exact person who has the card he needs for something that he needs. I need to stop doing that. And I think it's just because, I, I, like I said, you, we have such good commands of, of the cards that we say things like that, but I think that is, is to our detriment. I also don't think it's great to show off how well you know the cards, right? Like, it's good to know, like, oh, you need a wheat. That's fair to say, because then you can just propose, like, a wheat trade or shut down a wheat trade if you know the person needs it. But being like, oh, I know exactly what's in your hand. I know that you need this card. Showing off these mental abilities makes you more of a target. It's interesting you say that. So I'd actually have to disagree with you on this one. I think it gives you credibility at the table. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I think players who see that are thinking like, hmm, this guy, you know, he, he sees the board for what for he sees the game pretty well right now. Because there are games where you can be completely misguided in how you see it. And like at the end of the game, you're like, wow, I really, I really screwed that one up. I really saw it wrong. But if you're kind of, if you have a really good feel for the game, a good understanding, and you're kind of displaying that, and maybe a less, a person who's not as kind of informed in this game as you are sees that, I think, I think it gives you credibility at the table. That's true. There are moments where that has happened where I was once, I was once stealing from someone and it was like a friendly game, like with like family, friends, and deciding between two people to steal from. So I listed down exactly what this person's hand was. I said it out loud because it was like friendly game. They were very impressed. They're like, oh, well, like you really are good at Catan. Yeah, exactly. And then, then, then now they look at you as like this really good Catan player. They'll listen to what you have to say now. Yeah, but I do think being seen as a really good Catan player, when you're playing against three other people in Catan, you want to attack the person who has the best chance of winning. And if you're the best player, you probably have the best chance. So how do you balance the metagame of who this player is versus the in-game, like, this is actually what my situation is in? Uh, so I actually think it's kind of easy to kick battle. So it's pretty much as simple as this. I think you can, yeah, I, listen, I know I'm a good player. I know I find ways to win a lot of the times. But if you're going to put it on a worse spot just because of me, how you think of me as a player, and let someone else run away with it because of that on the clear best spot where it should be, then what does it say about you as a player? Something like that. Just that can be pretty harsh, but that's right to the point saying like, listen, you can put it on this wrong spot just because it's me or you can put it where it has to be. But no, it's not always clear where it has to be. Well, this is the argument. Let's let's say they put it on you. Every time that other number hits and that someone does something about it, you remind them of that. You say it. Say, well, you know, wish that was blocked or look what you could have stopped. Subtle comments that people take to heart. I like to believe that everyone in Catan is playing for their own kind of, they want to win. They're not just out there to screw someone else. I, I really hate playing with players that are there just to like attack someone in the game. I really despise that. And the players I play with, I tend to, I, I hold to that standard that they're not going to be like that. If someone's out to get you from the start, there's nothing you can do. But I think anyone who's going for that same kind of common goal as me is to play a fun game to 10 they can be influenced but you don't always get the chance of knowing who you're going to play with right so at tournaments 
at tournaments, you got to feel it out. You got to see what kind of players. That's why when I sit down, the first thing I do is start talking. It doesn't even have to be about Catan. It could be about anything. But I see who's who's talkative, who's open, who's who wants to share a little bit more than not. And I see what that interaction can be like in the game. Oh, that's a really good thing. I've never even thought about that. Oh, yeah. Get a good feel for them. Really good point. But it can, ba- it can definitely backfire. I've also seen people who just do not like the talking person. But that's usually okay because maybe he's not the person you're going for. You're trying to get the other two. Absolutely. So another key thing is people aren't always going to see everything. You want to point out, you should do this because that person can do that. That's like, build some roads, this person can take longest road. But I've seen people get very upset by that because like, you might have not seen it. I think that's a bad argument. Yeah. Most people know. And you should play with the, uh, with the um, expectation that they are going to know. Like, you don't want something bad to happen because you didn't prevent it. Oh, absolutely. Listen, you give people chances. That's why I also, I, I hate when people are in a rush on their turn. Because I like to be able to talk things out. I like to see things through. But if someone is just sitting there and they're not seeing something that needs to be pointed out and seen, you have to, you have to comment on it. I don't care how pissed off they get. You got to comment on it. You can't let it happen that way. This is your game too. I love talking things out. Whenever I'm moving the robber and I know between two people who I want to put it on, I always ask the third person, what do you think about this? Oh, me too. I love that. I love that move. Asking people what they think, like, it makes them feel good, and then they want to help you out. Yeah, it feels like it, it allows them to feel like they're having an input here. Like, they're, they're part of this. And, you know, you already have your mind made up. And it's like, yeah, I gave them their, their say. But I really want to um, focus on what you said. Don't rush. Take your time. Talk it out. I was playing a game. It was a semi-spinals game. Like, I think my first tournament where um, this guy, it was near the end of the game. And this guy played a Monopoly. And he quickly said wheat. And it turned out he was one wheat short. But if he said wood, then that would have stopped the person whose turn was next. He would, have, he would not have been able to take longest road. And he would have lost. Right? So him saying wheat. He was one week short and lost. that lost in the game because if he, because he couldn't say what. And he, he made that decision quickly. If he just took a second, like, hey, guys, I'm about to play a Monopoly. Like, let's talk this out. Is there enough wheat for me to win? Because if there isn't, then I should call wood because that would stop this guy from winning. Like, I would, I would have been honest about how much wheat I have. Maybe that's, not, maybe that's not the right conversation, but at least talk it out. You do nothing by not talking it out. Like, get as much knowledge as you can. I mean, I think that's a very good point because someone every card is important and what someone's thinking someone else may not see. So if this person's like, you know, they're like, Oh, my turn's over. I can't do anything. But from your end, you're like, wait, if this person can build one more road, maybe they'll block off a good spot for someone else. And you're like, Hey, can I help you do that? Like, you know, I don't mind helping players out if it screws someone else even worse. But if you're going to, if you're just going to end your turn and pass it so quickly so that you're not even going to hear my offer, like, how can I, how can I make it work for you? Oh, that's such a big problem with online Catan. I hate that online Catan. And so especially for me, because I play on my iPad, which I probably shouldn't, but I have to like type on like the iPad keyboard and you have to actually get off of like the game screen for the, for the chat screen. And so I, I, I type pretty slowly and I, it's, it's such a problem that people just end their turn right away when I'm trying to like say like build roads or I can give you roads or I, what do you need? Like different things. And um, people just end their turn and there goes the game right, right, right between right through your fingers. Yeah, I also think that's like that power of being to be like, hey, like you should do this. Um, it actually can be a real strong manipulating um, tactic because you can be like someone might have longest road at one point. You could be like to another person like, hey, like I'll give you these roads. Like you got to take longest road from this person. And then you can bounce it back from the first person. So you can get these two people who weren't even thinking about racing for longest road. You can get them stalling out their turns 
only building roads while you're trading them the wood, the brick, and you're getting non-wood and brick resources that you can actually do things with. So you just cause two players to stall out. Two players to stall out and keep the game going at the same time. It's such a it's such a great thing. So it's an amazing point. If you can if you can force a road battle just through your influence and saying like, oh, wow, you, you might need to do that so that he doesn't get so he doesn't win. I'll help you do it. And then when that person's now in a closer position, you help the other one take it back. And it's this constant road battle. It's so good. It's so good for the other two players that aren't involved in it. And if you're seeming like a good guy throughout all this, you're just benefiting. If you're getting the trades, you're benefiting. It doesn't really work the same with army because you can give people like you're not just giving people knights. You're giving them. Yeah, you can give them maybe a point or a monopoly or different. Yeah, it definitely doesn't work the same way with monopoly. It's it's. I mean, with uh, with with largest army, it's um, because it, it, road is just those two points. I mean, that's why I kind of try to stay away from road unless I can win with it. Um, but one thing I did want to discuss in, in the mental game is kind of how to deflect, um, you know, the robber being put on you. And, and I talked about it a little bit earlier, um, in kind of the 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 word influence, but now in actual kind of the 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 rational reasoning behind things. So if you it, let's let's say that like the eight ore is like the best spot in the game, right? But there's also like a five wheat where if this person gets the five wheat, they already picked up their ore a turn ago. So now if they get the wheat, that's what they need to really progress. So you can point things out like that. You say like listen, he he just got the ore. He has the ore in his hand. So you're not really stopping him there. Why don't you put on the wheat, stop something that he can do. And I think people like the I think people like hearing those things. I think that's a good argument. Yeah, it's like yeah, that's a more probable spot. Yeah, it's overall better in the grand scheme of the game. But right now, in this heat of the moment, like, you need to stop their wheat. And, you know, maybe you're saying that because you're on the ore. Maybe you're saying it's just influence because you actually think this is the better spot. But either way, it's putting forth a, a good faith argument that has rational reasoning behind it. And it can convince them. And that, that may be your, you know, your entire point is to not have it on the certain spot or that you think the spot's better. But you don't have the control over it. So you need to make them... Do what you need them to do. So how do you think that works in a situation where, let's say someone has two really good wheat spots and they're going to be blocking, like, your wheat spot, like, but, like, aiming for blocking the other person. I, I like to say, like, hey, like, they have wheat already. Like, this isn't going to stop them. But I don't know if that's a very effective argument. Yeah, I mean, I, I might try to pin it as you know this is stopping their one of their weed spots but they also get it here how about stopping this spot where they don't get where, where there's their only spot of getting something i think a big problem when it comes to these these tactics is whenever you're speaking in Catan, people are so skeptical because obviously you're there to win so they they don't want to trust you so what are like i think having just good logic is the best thing you can do to make it so like you're trustworthy but i don't think that doesn't go so far I think you just need to really pinpoint the way that someone else can win. Very, very straightforward to the point where you're almost telling the other person how they can win. But you're making your your point. You're painting the picture in that this is only a couple steps away. You got to stop this right now. Blocking the robber in the wrong spot is can be a game losing move. This is just one kind of story I had. But I was playing in a friend's house, and this person was in an incredible position. Like had they had a bunch of points. They were set up well, but they got no sheep except for they were on this eleven where they got four sheep from the 11, double cities. And it was like the only resource needed. Like, they couldn't build any more cities. They couldn't get development cards unless they had sheep. They didn't have a three-for-one port. Like, this was the spot that changed the game for them. And I'm making the argument, like, listen, I know it's not a high roll. It's not a high-rolling high number. It's an 11. But 
if an 11 rolls, he will do this, this, and that, and the game will be over. Need, you know, the, the person didn't listen to me despite how hard I tried. They put it somewhere else. An 11 came like two rolls later, and he ended the game on his turn exactly how I said he would. That's the thing. That's the thing. It's hard to get people to do the thing that isn't conventional in Catan. Yes, for sure. But I think if you make it crystal clear, like as best as you can, as to how if this roll happens, and listen, any roll can happen on any roll. If this roll happens, this is what will happen. Straightforward, right to the point, to the point where if they don't listen to you, then then uh, there's, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it is. They, they, they really should have because you, you predicted how it happened and it happens. Now, like I said, there are, there, there, you have to be logical. There are times where you can't debate it. You're the spot. And I think at those moments, it's good to not speak. It's good to just, you know, kind of acquiesce. You know what? I'm, you're right. That's the spot. I know I'm winning. That's how it is. I think when you, try to, when you try to fight off robbers in those situations, people hate that. But I actually do have to say, sometimes it's not so clear what winning means. I think a lot of people think that, like, oh, this person has the most points. He's winning. But I think you really need to look at potential. Like, how, who has the best chance at getting to 10 fastest? And there's a lot of times when some, like, I might have five points, but that could be because two of my points are from largest army and I really have three points, but someone has four points and they just got on the wood port and they have a lot of wood. Who's in a better position there? Oh, for sure. 100%. When I said that, I was thinking more along the lines of what you said. Um, and I think you're right. And you may have to point that out to people as to what winning really is. And maybe you're not really winning. But I see, that's the point, though. If someone sees it that way, you can convince them in straight forward language as to why it's actually not how they see it. But in those moments where it's so clear, it's undeniable, I think in those moments you just need to acquiesce and say, you're right. Yeah, but, I, but there is times when you can define what winning means. That's important. Like, it's not always so crystal clear as what winning means. No, I, you're 100% right. I see that online all the time. Someone with five points is considered a threat. Because they have five points and everyone else is at, you know, three or four. But those people have much better setup, much better, you know, paths to victory, much better, you know, outcome to, to here on out. So, yeah, I see that online all the time. People are seeing that. And online's not, you don't have the time and you don't have the, you know, face-to-face -face interaction to explain it. No, you don't. That's, that's the biggest problem with, with online Catan. I really agree. I mean, I, listen, I love playing because I love Catan to its core. But, listen, for all the people that are just online players, I don't, I don't mean to online but it's a totally different game and i think not as pure of a game and listen it's fun it's great you can you can still somewhat influence the game but you know you don't get to talk to someone you don't get to feel them out get a real feel for them and i think that's you know that's real katan and that that's that's katan at its core and that that's what katan is for me nothing against online katan it's just in person is where it's really at and i think i want to pay some respects to that since this is the mental game episode that's where your mental game can truly come to form right and so so we talked about mental game a lot about stopping people right how how, how can you use it to promote yourself how can it get you the right trades to get you in a position to elevate yourself. Do you have anything to say about that? Yeah, I mean, if it's, a, if it's a trade negotiation, here's something I'm definitely very conscious of. If someone offers me a trade that's, like, too good to pass up, it's an amazing trade. It's a killer trade for me. I'm, I don't run to accept it, ever. I go, hmm, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's, and then I'll feel like, you know what, yeah, fine, I'll do it. I never want to appear as though I'm getting the better end of a deal, ever. Yeah, why do you do that? That's so interesting. Because no one else has to know that I got the better end of the deal. That's my secret knowledge to know. 
if I I don't have to flaunt it out to everyone. If they want to see it for themselves, they, they can see it. But I also want to make this person I'm trading with think that they got one up on me. So maybe they'll do another trade next time where like they think it's, you know, a little bit, who knows? Whatever it is, I don't want them to know that I got this sick deal. Um, so I'll, I'll definitely, I'll never jump in a trade. I'll think back. But, but in terms of negotiating a trade, again, I think it's really knowing what's in someone's hand. If you have the card they need and there's like, you know, they, they desperately need it you can really have fun with them. But the problem is, I, the problem I find with trading a lot is I try to negotiate myself a better deal, but then someone else swoops in and takes the worst deal. Maybe like, I want a two for one, but someone else is willing to take the one for one. And then I miss my chance. How do you prevent that from happening? If you missed your chance, then it wasn't that great of a deal for you anyway, because you would have jumped that in the first place if it was that good for you. You're talking, about, you're talking about moments here where you're seeing what you can get out of them. You're seeing if you can sweeten the deal a little bit for you. If it's truly a deal that you need to make, you wouldn't even be doing that. Well, I'm more talking about situations where, yeah, maybe it's not the best deal for me, and I don't want to be giving that person the cards. Like, maybe, like, but if I don't do it, someone else is going to do it. So how do I, how do I somehow, like, even if it's not, a, like, it's a good trade. It's an okay trade for me, maybe. But... I want to be part, do I, do I not want to be part of that trade, even if it's a bad trade? Like, I don't want another trade to happen. How do you stop that situation or make it so that you're still getting the better end of it? Well, I mean, so we're, we're talking about when it's someone else's turn and they've opened up a trade and you're now trying to negotiate a good trade on their turn. I mean, listen, that's, that's a risk you open yourself up, up for. But I think, you know, you can, even, even during the trade negotiations, you can make some comments about how the other person is doing better or what they can do with this versus what you're going to be doing with this. You know, if it gives them a city and it gives you a D card, you know, that's a big difference. Um, and again, that's back to kind of pointing things out to players. Or if it just gives you a road and gives someone else a settlement, that's also something to point out. But like I said, there's got to be logic behind everything. If, if they really should be doing the trade with the other player, then you should know ahead of time that if this player offers that, he's probably going to do it with him. So I need to be understanding of that and see what I can pry and see where I can't pry. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you need to know that if someone opens this trade, that there's a good chance that this other person is going to come and grab it. Yeah, I mean, you're thinking about it. Why isn't someone else not thinking about it too? Um, but in, in your case, you're thinking about what, seeing what you can get out of it. And the other person may, may see it like, crap, you know, I need that trade. I'll do it right away. So you have to know what trades will benefit other players. Um, and if that's the case, why it makes sense to, you know, more sense to do it with you than that player. And, you know, and I can't stress it enough is that your, your arguments have to be logical. They have to make sense. If this other person is going to be building a settlement on like a 12-11 and that's like their last settlement spot, it doesn't do anything for them. I mean, you know, you're not going to have any you're not going to have any leverage there. It is what it is. You shouldn't have pride them. So how far into the future can you be talking when you're making an argument? Right. Like, I feel like a lot of times like I can see how the game is going to go. But it's so hypothetical. You feel like you don't want to get there yet. Yeah, like, like, yeah. Like, there's a lot of steps that have to be taken, and maybe right in this immediate moment. I guess this kind of goes back to like the right now. I really look like I'm winning, but I'm not. But I do think people are like, well, right now, like I want to steal from you. And how do you get over that hump of being like, right, right, right? I, I can. I, how do I articulate the argument best way? So that I, I can convey that, like, I know maybe right not now it can seem like this is the most important thing, but it's a real, like, exponential effect. Well, I think you say, listen, this person maybe has, you know, six cards, needs four of them for that big settlement. You take one, you set them back, or 
you know, maybe you steal from me. They build their settlement. That that number hits twice in a row, and all of a sudden, we're talking about a completely different game in a matter of one rotation. Just anything that can, any logical thing that can really deflect that target at you. And it doesn't always work. Listen, I'm not perfect at it. No one is. Get stolen from quite often. But you know, I think that I think that I am able to maneuver out of situations where I should have been stolen from a lot more than you know anyone else, really. <laughs> yeah, I do think you're very good at that. Do you, do you think these are because you are a lawyer that you have a lot of these skills? Are these like arguing skills that you've crafted in law school, or is this something that anyone who's just is counting the cards properly and can figure out what? who knows the game well enough to know what each person wants can, can, can implement. <laughs> it's a good question. It's a funny question. Um, listen, I think some of the things I've learned in law school and in my career definitely, you know, contribute to the way I negotiate or the way I argue or the way I present myself. Um, but I think any Catan player can, can be good with these skills. I think anyone can grasp this kind of, you know, influence and, and how to use it to, to your benefit. I think it's reachable for really all players. I think it comes down to, like I said before, I think it comes down to a really, grand understanding of the board people's hands cards going around um and when you have that you can just kind of turn that into complete knowledge and influence that i think you know other players listen to yeah i think that's true i think it really comes down to knowing the board and being able to anticipate what's going to happen next and you know when you see someone that doesn't really have a good command of that board kind of throw a little attention their way and you know see if you can See if you can, you know, maybe make some suggestful hints, throw some ideas in their head, anything that can just help better your position, really. Yeah, and if someone's in a, kind of a weak position, even throw them some good trades so that they're more inclined to trade with you. Throw them some good trades. Why not? I mean, they can only be on your good side. That, that, that's, you know, that's very helpful in Catan. Yeah, I like the idea of having trade partners. If I, I will sometimes position myself so I'm on a select number of resources, knowing that this person who has the complimentary resource is going to need to trade with me and i want to be that person's friend for this game because i can i can control their flow of my resource and they're in good standings with me what do you think of that yeah it's a good point i mean i i, I like that in theory um i think if listen you're not going to share all the same numbers so i think if they get in such a position where they're you know killing it from the from the start and you're like relying on their trades and vice versa i think that can be bad for you actually um but I think in theory, I think it makes a lot of sense maybe to, you know, get friendly a little bit with them just to open up trade discussions. Who knows? Whatever it is, have some fun with them. And, uh, you know, it could, be, it could be beneficial for you. I mean, here's another scenario that I, you know, I put my influence in a lot. Um, I was playing a game recently, in-person game, and I had four down cards. Two points, uh, a year plenty, and a monopoly. And there was just never a good time to use the year plenty. There was never a good time to use the monopoly. Um, and the other two were points. So I was sitting on these cards for a really long time. And everyone kept at the table questioning, you know, damn, he's got four down cards. What's going on over there? And I just kept making this strong point. It was a 100% true point, but it was a really good point. I just kept saying, listen, every single turn that it was my turn to roll, the robber was not on me. I would love to use one of them. It's just, they're just down here. But I, the, the robber hasn't been on me once. And I literally went back and named my five last rotations of where the robber was on that on those turns and i was following where it had been and every time even it had been on my spot i was like oh but then he rolled a seven and moved it before it got to my turn and so i i i made it very clear it's like yeah these are just you know knights that are down here i'm not doing anything out of the ordinary and no one was putting it on me that's part of the reason they all were like hmm, yeah i guess i haven't really put it on him no one was putting it on me no one was stealing from me um even though i had 
some fire down there. Um, but I was making these logical, rational arguments that people bought. And, you know, it, it, I, I didn't even finish. I didn't win that game. I finished with nine. It was actually crazy. Um, but I didn't win it. Just that story, that influence that, that got me to advance so far. Yeah, that reminds me of a game where um, I was playing. And I was in the better position. And the robber was even on me. But, like, it wasn't really on my best spot. And I only had a point. And I rolled. And then I was like, oh, shoot, I forgot to play the knight. And I went to flip it. And then I was like, ah, it's, it's actually fine there. And I think that actually got people to think that I had a knight. I, I, they weren't as concerned of it being a point. Like Maybe before they were throwing around like, oh, that could be a point. But after it, they were like, they, they actually did believe more. It was oh, that's amazing. I love that. I, I love tricks like that. I mean, that's like something I do is, let's say I have four sheep in my hand and someone steals from me. And I put I put my card I put my cards up. They, they I, well the way I always do it is I put my cards face down. So I don't know what they're looking at. They don't know what they're looking at. They take a card. So they take one of the sheep. Now I have three sheep left. And obviously I look and I go ugh or something like that. You know, even though maybe not ugh, but just I make sure I take a very you know distinguished look at my cards so that it, it's not known that all I had was sheep. That's so important. A lot of times, what people will do when they're being stolen from and they have only one type of card is just like here, it's all this. Take it. That just can reveal so much information. Here, take it. Here, just, yeah, it's like they're all. Worried. I mean, unless it's a bad card. But still, I don't know if you want to do the, even, like, because someone might need it. You never know. Yeah, like, why would you give that away? No, see, no matter what, if someone ever says, show me your cards, I'll never show my cards ever. That's a fundamental rule that I stick by. I will never show my cards. Because, sure, maybe I don't have the card that you want, but now you know my entire hand. Why would I want you knowing that? Knowing everything I can do, everything I have planned, everything in my future, you now know because I'm like, like I'm not, no, nah, I'm just not telling that. You can steal a card. Good luck with what you get. Uh, that, that's something that definitely, definitely bothers me when people show their cards. I have one particular friend who's been showing their cards more often. Um, I, I get disgusted by it, but I guess that's not that's not really a problem you have to deal with in tournaments or online. I think it's technically illegal in a tournament, right? Yeah, I think it is to show your hand or show your development cards. I never show my development cards either. Even if it is a night, I'll never show it. I'll never show my development cards because you know what? I'm confident in my ability to influence and, and persuade rather than have to show. You just give away way too much. And even like, don't tell people if you have points. Like, even though they're there, that down flipped, flipped the most of the game, you don't want to reveal that. It could be something else. Never reveal that. Never. Never reveal anything because let's say later in the game, um, when let's say all the development cards are out, you have a couple down cards, you have perfect knowledge of what everyone else's cards are. Like, that could be helpful. If you're already told that you have a point, like, that helps everyone else achieve that knowledge. You got to keep it to yourself. Any advantage you get, you keep to yourself. And if you can make someone show you a development card, wow, you just, you just got them. I think that's really important. You straight up got them. Yeah, there's just so many little battles about convincing and manipulating going on through Catan. We didn't even talk about initial placements yet. That's what I was about to say. Initial placements, it starts right there. I mean, think of a scenario where there's two good spots for someone. But one of the spots that they're considering, you know, directly affects your either third settlement spot or your next settlement spot, whatever it is. And so you, you throw some subtle comments out there. It's like, wow, geez, look at that spot. You'll have all the D cards in the world or you'll control the wood or whatever, whatever it is. And they're like, maybe they can see you have some kind of, you know, your own initiative there. But, you know, they can also see the logic in your arguments. Oh, all right. All right. I see that. It's a good spot. Maybe they'll go there. I mean, listen, it starts once the... Once the game begins, like I said, even before you sit down, the, the, the influence starts, the negotiation, the diplomacy, as you called it, the great quote, it begins. 
yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm very willing to, to even give people an entire, like, very valid, very good strategy, as long as it doesn't interrupt mine. Right, right, right. Tell someone else how they're going to win, as long as that win doesn't happen before you. I, I'm very willing to do that. I got to say, I have one major problem with the rules at Nationals, at least the first time I was there. I don't know if it came up the second time. What's that? They had a rule where they said, if it's your turn and someone's talking and you don't want them to, you can say, stop talking, and then they have to stop. Uh, big, big, biggest garbage rule I've ever heard in my life. I really disagree. I was The first game I played in Nationals, one of the first turns, this guy asked for a one-for-one trade, and the person said, sure. And it gave, him, it gave the, the other guy settlement. I was like, ask for more. Like, he needs it. He'll, he'll get, he can give you another card. Like, just ask for more. This, does, like, this is clearly benefiting him more than it's benefiting you. And the guy who was receiving the trade, building the settlement, was just like, stop talking. And there was nothing, like, there was nothing I can do. I didn't, I, I didn't want to get in trouble with the organizers, so I had to stop. I think it's a really bad rule. I think they really need to reconsider that. I do understand that some people can maybe abuse a turn unrelentingly. Like, oh, you got to trade with me. You got to trade with me. You got to trade with me. I don't, I don't know if that really happened. I've never seen that happen. I've really never seen that happen. I've never seen someone be so disrespectful to the point where, like, it's, it's outlandish. I've never seen it. I've never seen that happen either. And I feel like if that actually happens, that's a better reason to call an organizer than to be like, oh, this person talked when I didn't want him to talk. Yeah, this person talked on my turn. I mean, listen, it's your turn, so you can build and you can roll the dice. That's the only two things you get over me on your turn. I guess, and you can trade. But I can still talk. I can still discuss whatever I want. I'm still part of this game. I don't care if it's my turn. That's the most ridiculous rule I've ever heard in my life. Because every single roll, you learn new things. New things happen. So how can you only talk on your turn when you've had three rolls in between? I, I really didn't like it. And like the crazy thing about it is it's just like cutting out information. Because... If someone, if two people are going to trade on their turn, but like maybe person, one person really needs the trade, but it's really helping the person whose turn it is, and either winning, going to say like, "Hey, I'll do this on my turn." Like you don't need to do this as a person right now, just because it's their turn. Yeah, and why shouldn't you have a say? I, that, that's my biggest thing. Like you need to open their eyes so that there's other possibilities and options they can do on different turns. And why shouldn't I have a say anyway? Even if I am just trying to get them not to trade, like this is my game still. I, I can't. I hate that rule. I wish it was dissolved. Because, I, you know, in-person games, you just talking is such a key thing. I mean, you got to be able to speak your mind freely, openly, and on anyone's turn. Listen, like you said, if it gets to the point where you're literally being disrespectful and harassing, that's something else. But, I mean, we've been to numerous, countless tournaments. I've never seen it, I've never seen it happen that way. Never seen it go down that way. So I, I think that I, I'm going to call the action of Catan. Please, 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 please take that out of your rule set. Get it away. Horrible rule. Just, just for the table talkers, you need to be able to talk at the table. It speaks for itself. We speak for our, let it be. And then uh, I think we talked about, but um, trying to get someone to do something is one thing, but I think you can also, you know, put your plan to action by helping them do it. If it's someone who's in a worse position, you need them to do something just so you have a better chance of winning. For example, like take road, help them do it. Don't just say, oh, this is on you. Good luck, buddy. Like, you know, throw them a card here or there. Like we talked about earlier, get the benefits of the trades while still seeming like you're helping out someone else and, and you know, that benefits you in the long run. Yeah, but I, there's something I do have to say. When you really need to make sure that for your credibility, you are practicing what you preach. Like, if you're advocating for blocking a certain spot and then you don't block that spot when it's your turn to move the robber, that doesn't look good. 
at all. That's a great point. That's a great point. I love that point. Very true. If you're saying, oh, you know, that's the spot, you got to put it there too. You have to believe what you're saying. That's a great point. Yeah, and sometimes that would even mean putting the robber actually even on yourself. Hey, sometimes you need to put it on yourself. I think that's something that's something that people are very against doing, but not you don't always, some spots are just more important to some people than, than others. If if someone wins when they hit that spot but you're on it, block it. Yeah. Like it's that simple. Doesn't matter if it's yours. I mean, if you need that spot to win too, then don't. That then fine. But like if they're if they win and you get a city out of it, but that puts you at seven, what, what does that matter? Yeah, there are other ways to get that city. Even if it, even if even if it puts you at nine, what does it matter? You lost. Yeah, I really think that's such an important point that I want to get across in this podcast, and Ronnie's been a really good job. Is that it, getting to ten is all that matters. All that matters. It's the only thing that matters. Or eleven. Or twelve. Or twelve. The rare way you can get to twelve, which I've never seen happen, and I'd love to see it. So. Be very aware of what you've been arguing in the past. But honestly, you, can't, you don't have to always follow that. Sometimes the, the, the game changes. You have to be aware of that too. Hey, if the game changes, you just need to explain why it changed. Don't, don't, be, don't be scared to talk in Catan. This isn't your secret. You're all playing a, a game together. You got to be out there and let it be known what you see. Because someone else may not see it, and you may influence them to see it that way, and that's your biggest ally. There is one other strategy that I've seen that I actually think got this got someone to the final table at nationals, and that is pretending you're very bad at the game. Yeah, I know someone who who undertakes that strategy. I think it wears off. Constantly is always in the worst position. Constantly saying like, "Oh, I don't even really know what I'm doing," and then consistently has good results. Oh, playing playing the victim. Yeah. It's the, the two go kind of hand in hand. Constantly portraying yourself to not be at the, le- at the level or skill where you are, actually are. It can yield good results, but I don't, I don't like the idea. I would never do it just because I'm confident that you know how good I am and I'm still going to beat you. But, I, you know, I, just, I don't need to sell myself short. I, I, I'm confident in my ability to, you know, really put forward a good argument that people believe in, trust, and understand. And that, that's, that's how I'll achieve 10. And sometimes, listen, if the way I'm going to achieve 10 is that you all know I'm the best and, and winning and I'm still going to hit 10, then that's how it is too. You know, there are those games. I just think I've seen plenty of times where people are just like playing this like game where like, oh, I don't really know what, what I'm doing. And I, I, act, I think I fall for the trap sometimes. I'm like telling them like, you should do this and this. And I'm giving them like trades that maybe I wouldn't give. Don't fall into that trap. Don't fall into it. Yeah, it's a dangerous trap. I, I do think it's something that people do use. Be aware of it if you're listening. It's definitely out there. Oh, yeah. I can think of five people off the top of my head that, that, that utilize that strategy. And, you know, it is what it is. Not my, not my cup of tea, but I can see why people may use it to their advantage. It wouldn't work on me. That's for damn sure. But, I mean, listen, mental game is huge, Greg. I, that, I think that's the biggest aspect of the game, really. I think it's something where if you can be great at it, it really... Because, listen, people say, you know, at some point, how much... It, when you're at the top level of Catan, really, how much skill is there? And that's where I think you can really tilt the scales in your, in your favor, is that if you're just that better, better table talker, you have more influence on the game, people, you know, listen to you, I think that elevates you when you're when you're playing amongst the best i do think that that is a large part of the skill in guitar yeah and people who don't talk a lot at the table are at a disadvantage to someone who does i 100 percent agree 100 if anything people can get across to this is like please just take your time talk it out it's not all on you there are other people at the table who you can manipulate who you can get on for support it's not all on you and just get as much information as you can. 100%. And listen, 
everyone wants to win. Their goal is to win, obviously. But if their plan for them winning also gives you a better chance at winning, then you got to go for it, right? I mean, it's all about the best chance to win. It's very important to be doing the math. It's very important to be doing the math of who's going to win the fastest. Because someone could be in a good position with plenty of ports, but like, they don't have so much or or much we like it's gonna be hard for them to get to that ten point threshold and you think you can beat them out? Like it's okay to talk to them, it's okay to get trades off of them. Just don't give them the trade that pushes them where they need to go. Like, you need to know what trades are off limits and what trades aren't. Let me ask you actually an interesting question that I just thought of while you were saying all that. You know, you don't win every single game, but let's say you have games where you've been at nine points and you had X amount of turns where you could have won on that turn. How many turns would you consider that a successful game where you implemented the strategy as you want? Like at what turn do you say, okay, I, I played a good game. I just didn't, you know, I didn't hit what I needed it, but I had, I, I could have won on five different turns. Yeah, that's really interesting. Are you saying like how many turns does it take for that to happen for it to be like? Yeah, so this is kind of the example. I played a game online probably a week ago. And I had nine points. Well, I had, a, I had a year of plenty I was kind of sitting on. And at any time with the right roll, I could have used the year of plenty to get 10 points. So I was actually only at seven, but I could have used it to get 10. And I, I, I was like this for like six rolls, maybe. And I just didn't hit the cards at the right time. And it ended up where someone ended up taking the road from me and someone else took army. And like I ended up finishing with like six points. But in that game, I had like six different turns to win. And I, I considered it a successful game where I implemented my strategy to perfection and I just didn't hit the roll. When I, and I think I played a good game. And some of the people on the chat were like, oh, you finished with six, finished in last. And I was like, I had six turns to win. The point of Catan is 10 points the fast. It's a race to 10. So there is the fact that like, yeah, it depends what that roll is, I would say. Like if you're waiting on a six or an eight and it doesn't come, you did the best that you could do, I would say. You, hopefully you'd have it so that you'd have such a low chance of the rolls that you need to hit, not hit hitting you're spread out enough or you just have like such power on the spots that you have you can't always control that right the role i was waiting for was a three i would say that that is not that's not enough a three isn't enough you can't win you shouldn't be expecting to win on a three you should hope to win on a three or eleven but it's six rotations though it's just not enough if you're if you're not hitting the six or the five then then you could be like okay like i just didn't have luck that game if you're not hitting the four or the ten then you can be like, okay, like I probably could have done this a little better. Three and eleven, it's I, I don't think you want to win on the three and eleven. It's not enough. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think you're right if you're talking about a single turn, but I think if you're talking about six, I think that's a little different. I I even think I even think six turns. Mm, I don't know. I think you can expect. Well, okay, so think about it, just probability wise, thirty six rolls, six turns. That's only twenty four rolls. So you have a two of a thirty six chance of getting um a three, and in twenty four rolls, like yeah, you would ex- you would hope for one. But you need the, the dice of fallout in perfect, prob- in perfect distribution, and that just doesn't happen. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, yeah, I guess you make a good point there. If it's a three, yeah, I guess it depends what number you're waiting on. Yeah, I, I think that's the case. Yeah, if you really need a five to hit and it's taking six rolls for a five to hit, then yeah, I think you just got unlucky. But I, it really depends on the roll. And especially, like, it should be set up. If you really implemented the perfect strategy, then there should be a lot of rolls that you can hit to win. And, and if you have a lot of chances and you're still not getting them, then I would say you got unlucky. Well, I don't know. I still stand by that that game I played correctly. But anyway, Greg, that was a fun time talking mental game with you. Yeah, I, I think I, I know I learned a lot this podcast. I hope everyone listening did. Yeah, I mean, use your words to your advantage. It's such a key, crucial aspect to the game. Yeah, and I can't emphasize, you've been just listening to a master table talker. <laughs> oh, Greg, you humor me. No, Greg, you're, you're great at table talking, too. So thank you for those, that, those great compliments, Greg. I 
can't wait to play some in-person guitar with you next weekend. And I I want to uh, say um, thank you, everyone, again. Go follow the Orport Twitter, Instagram. Follow us uh, on Anchor to listen more. Spotify, we're everywhere. Check us out. Also, please join the the Orport Discord. We're going to set up channels for each episode. We want you to come and discuss. We want to hear what you have to say. We'll be in there. Maybe we'll even organize some games. Please come hang out with us. Our favorite thing to do is is talk Catan. So come talk Catan with us. So this has been the Report. I'm Greg. And I'm Ronnie. And we're the Catan Brothers. The Catan Brothers. See you next time. See you next time.